Hey everyone, welcome back to the Comic-Con Podcast, Season 2, Episode 6. I am one of your hosts for the evening, Justin, a.k.a. Nemesis Prime. And if you're hearing us on all the podcast platforms, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and Anchor FM, and sometimes on YouTube, but with my man, Manimal, what's going on, buddy? What's up, everybody? You know, back once again every week, you know how we do, and uh, we got a good show this week. It's a little bit different than our normal our normal shows where it's just Justin and I. We got a special guest, and it's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of things to talk about, so it's going to be a good one. Yeah, definitely. So, of course, we, we've been teasing this over the past couple of weeks that we've been having, that we're going to be having a guest on here, and, you know, I said it last week that if you have been following me on Instagram and you know my logo, you know the artist, and if you're thinking... And I would say probably quintessential Transformers artist of our time, Livio Ramondelli. What's going on, buddy? What's up? Nice to see you guys. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So uh, Livio is a longtime artist, IDW, as well as some other stuff. So, you know, we had to jump him, had to have him come on the show. He's got an upcoming comic coming out, a sequel comic. So we're going to talk about the previous comic. We're going to talk a little bit about learn some stuff from Livio and uh, you know, of course what we do always, what are we currently reading and even some articles. So Livio, tell the people out there listening, you know, where can they find you uh, on social media and you know, what, what's some of the projects you've worked on in the past? Yeah. So I'm mostly known for transformers for IDW. I've done that for like over 10 years now. Um, before that I worked for Jim Lee at Wildstorm. I was a concept artist there. I worked on the DC universe MMO game. And then uh, Transformers led to me creating the series called The Kill Lock, which is an original science fiction thing that I created, wrote, and illustrated for IDW. And a sequel to that book called The Artisan Wraith comes out in March. So, and I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, just my full name there. And you can find a bunch of art there and communicate with me there. Awesome. So uh, let's kind of get into a little bit of The Kill Lock. So uh, don't give the ending away and don't, you know, don't give too much because we want, I want our listeners to get out there and actually pick up the, the original series, whether they could pick up the, uh, the six issues or either in trade format, you know, what was the kill lock about? And like, how did you approach? Cause it's out on IDW. So if anybody's listening, uh, it's out on IDW publishings. How did you approach IDW, you know, to get this idea of kill lock and what is so, it? About? You know, it was, it was unusual because normally when you pitch something, you kind of get a rough idea together and you maybe get like five pages and then you, you pitch it to a company. The kill lock was something that I worked on for about four years around other comics. And I, I finished the entire series. So it was totally drawn, lettered and everything before I even pitched to IDW, which is, that's really unheard of that. You're like, here's 120 pages or whatever that are ready to go. Um, but you still don't know if they're going to green light it. You know, they have to, they have a creator committee, creator owned committee that looks at all the projects. And even if you work for them on transformers, it doesn't necessarily mean you get a creator owned book. Like I had friends who got books turned down. So I had no idea what they would think of it, but thankfully like they responded favorably. And that was a real nice feeling. Cause I worked on it in like a vacuum for so long. I was like, man, is anyone going to like this? Like <laughs> you're going to find it funny, like the way I do, I hope. But, um, but yeah, thankfully like when it came out, it was one of the best experiences ever for me. I, I loved it. How long did it take you doing kind of double duty there as like the writer and the artist? I mean, was that, I mean, that's got to just take up all your time you would expect. Yeah, it's tough. And also the fact is that because you're making a creator owned book that doesn't officially greenlit, you're not getting paid. So you <laughs> right. basically have to, you know, do your day job, pay the bills and then in the time around that do this. And that takes a while, like six issues of, of a series takes a while, even if you're getting paid for it every day, you know? So thankfully one benefit of COVID was I had all this kind of free time during quarantine that I was able to finish the sequel much quicker because I just had oh. so much time and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't seeing friends and 
that was kind of a nice silver lining to everything. So I'm glad you kind of brought up COVID because when I was reading it, I, I noticed, and I want to ask you like your experience of this because you kind of fell in the dark days. It came out like the first four issues and then you had a, what, two or three month gap when uh, like Diamond shut down and then issues yeah. like what, five and six came out in July and August or something like that. So how was that? Was it kind of like, did it affect the steam of it? Did it kind of, was it just a bummer? I mean, how, how was that? I, you know, it's weird. I don't know because the, I mean, one, I'd never done a credit room book before, so I couldn't gauge based on the prior right. experience. And also COVID just disrupted everything. So it was like, it was really hard to kind of figure out, you know, I mean, even now I know, for example, like there's copies of the trade paperback that are stuck on boats still trying to get to certain countries. Wow. So, wow. so I mean, I, like, I, I don't know if I'll ever know the full, like, you know, outcome of how things could have been different. I mean, We'll see with the sequel now, but I mean, but comics are in a weird spot because just the supply chain crisis is no joke. Like I have a lot of friends that work at DC comics. There's literally not enough paper to print right now. They can't find paper. So it's like, that's a gigantic, if you're publishing books, I mean, that is a huge. So like even the disruptions of COVID earlier, are not over, you know? Yeah, we've uh, we've talked about that in the past with the paper shortages and how it affected all of them, like Marvel's releases, like you had books that were supposed to come out, let's just say even like this week and people are anticipating it that they pre-ordered the book. And then all of a sudden it doesn't come out this week and then it comes out like a week or two later right? and it completely screws everything up. So like with your yeah. book, like Zach said, you know, we had it, we had it early. I think the first issue dropped in December of like yeah. 2019. Um, and it was great. Like I enjoyed it so much. And then you read those first couple issues and then all of a sudden it's just like, it stops and you're like, well, what happened? Like, and you kind of, and people may lose track of it, but yeah. you know, I, it definitely got a warm, you know, a warm feeling at the end of it. I know a lot of people, you know, you posted it. I've seen tons of people always reposting in the book and, you know, so let's kind of really get into the kill log. Like, what is it all about for the people that are listening? Yeah. So the, the basic premise is four robots from like very different walks of life, very different classes are linked together by this punishment. Whereas where if one of them dies, they all die. So it's this, I hope, hope for like a very human story of like, you know, you have an addict that's forced to take care of kind of a murderer and a very like noble soldier and an innocent kid. It's like people that would never be in the same room together normally are really kind of having to protect each other to, to survive. And I wanted to play with this very morally gray world that is kind of aside from the kid, all the other, the other three are really kind of have layers of, you can question their actions a bit, you know? Um, I love living in that kind of like gray area where characters that are really like unlikable also become likable, you know? So, so yeah, that, that was the basic premise. Awesome. Yeah. I thought with like the character, <clears throat> obviously the, the artisan was, he's almost kind of steals the show in a way a little bit. I mean, he's, he's funny, he's smart, he's sadistic, he's crazy, but there were moments too, though, where you felt like, okay, like, does this guy, does he have a good side to him? Like there was times with the kid, even though obviously he had his ulterior motives, um, it seemed like there was some consideration to the kids' well-being as well, which I yeah, thought that was, was, was interesting. That was very intentionally done. I wanted to be like – it's sort of like three parents and a kid, and then through the course of the story, they each take turns with him, you know, and the Wraith is really protective but also shows the kid a lot of violence, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then the laborer is protective, but then if he's drinking, he gets his own darkness, <laughs> you know. It's, it's different than the artisan's darkness. So I wanted that notion of like, man – like a kid in this world. And that's another reason why they're robots, by the way, not people. Cause I was like, this story would be so uncomfortable if it was human characters <laughs> treating a human kid that way. I mean, right. you know, I think sci-fi has always had that great balance of like taking 
current, you know, metaphors and just move them in outer space and they become a lot more enjoyable and a little separate, you know, digestible for yeah, humans. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So speaking of the race, so what's really interesting about him, and I don't know if you've ever, you know, spoken about this and it's, I like him a lot is the way he speaks, the way his font is, mm -hmm. is different than the rest of the robots. Like what's, yeah. what's that all about? Like, it's almost like a Arthurian like type of character right yeah you yeah he's meant to, yeah absolutely like he's meant to be like an old kind of crusader and i wanted i wanted his font to be like kind of biblical a little bit so mm -hmm. he's sort of this relic kind of that's in the modern world it's really not meant to really be on these planets peacefully you know he's meant to be a, a warrior he's not meant to be like walking around in a cloak and that kind of stuff so i wanted his font and the way he speaks he kind of speaks in a, a very weird old way i wanted mm -hmm. that to kind of contrast him from like the artisan who's a very like modern almost break the fourth wall kind of character who like uses profanity and all this stuff that's very different than the wraith so yeah it was like i, I like that notion of bringing two very contradictory characters because the you know the wraith is like stone cold science fiction there's like no making fun of that character but then the artisan sort of makes fun of everything around him mm -hmm. so that, that that's a, hopefully a contrast that i wanted to play with hmm yeah, even so, his his word balloons as well. They're different shaped. They have like the kind of more archaic design to them as well, which is yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when you were, since you currently have done Kill Lock, which is, is the first series is six issues. Um, the new one, which is called the Artisan's Wraith, right? Correct. The Artisan Wraith. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, would you? Do you like it being a limited series where it has a begin, a beginning and an end, or would you like to see it like an ongoing? Like, would you do this as just like an ongoing series? It's a good question. I kind of like, I like the format of what it is now where you're sort of, you get, cause I'm a big fan of like trilogies. I like that you get these blocks of giant really moves the story forward each time there's a new one. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely could see this as an ongoing. I mean, just the notion of them having adventures for like 85 issues of going planet to planet. But I think, in in the end, like you'll see like the stuff that happens in the sequel. The sequel is like such a big leap forward in their in their story and also the kind of explains like the origins of their society a little bit that it, it felt like a much larger kind of chunk of a of a story. But I thought about doing a um an anthology, like 48 pager that focuses on completely other characters that have the kill lock. So there would be these like Twilight Zone stories where someone would be that'd like, be cool. Yeah, that'd be kind of neat. Like one would be like characters die immediately like they get killed <laughs> off and they just like instantly die and then you'd have like the paranoia and you know what the different circumstances that punishment because that that punishment lends itself to kind of a recurring twilight zoney kind of setting i was really i remember when i was reading it i very much was you know engrossed in the characters and the different uh like classes like you said but I'm always that kind of person who's like, oh, damn, now I want to know what's up with the founders. Who are these guys? And then, oh, okay, the explorers. Who are the explorers? Why are these dudes like so much bigger and sent out? Like, and then what else? What, who else? What other classes do I not know about? You know, and like, that's what I'm always thinking. Um, so do we get more? Like you said, you focus on the origin. Do we get more in the, in the sequel? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was something I was really excited about um, going into, which is just really expand the world out so there's a lot more with like the wraith legion and who runs that army you meet the characters that actually command that that army and I, that was something that really made me happy about the first series was i tried to keep the story kind of simple but the amount of people that told me they liked the world building and wanted to see more of that 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 made me happy because i really wanted to go into that more you know i didn't right i didn't want to get bogged down in, in terms of explaining how their world works too much the first time around because i didn't know if that would be just too much exposition but but now in the second one, I think you get a lot more of that. So, 
Yeah, there's there's always that thin line. You know what I mean? Like, do you do you tell the story a lot, or do you world build world world build? Excuse me, or do you you know like focus on the story? It's kind of like like just that thin line. I think you nailed it. Like, it made me want more, but the story was so concise. And Justin and I talk all the time about how we're kind of fans of these controlled stories, which is funny because both of us are ongoing series readers. Like Justin reads has read like a thousand issues of Batman ongoing, which will never, ever end. And I'm an X-Men guy, which will never, ever end like two ongoing stories, but those like concise, like 12 issues, six issues, whatever, you know, where you have the focus and the story, it's so much easier to digest those at times, you know? And, I agree. Like my my favorite comics of all time tend to be like Dark Knight Returns, something that's like a, a one. Right. Even with sequels that are out there, you basically that's a one a one story. Like like I love my X Men. I love like the McFarlane Spider Man run. But you know, I, I do tend to prefer the books that are like you know a, a, even something like Preacher, which is you know mm-hmm. it's like ongoing, but it really is one story. You know, like, like fifty like, issues and you're good. Yeah, that's yeah, and I yeah. and I love that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's also like you know unless you're like Eric Larson or something, the idea of doing one comic yourself for like 35 years. Like that is, that is a hell of an undertaking. Like, yeah. McFarlane and spawn. Like, uh. yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then you, and then even Eric would kind of say about the fan base where over time, the thing is out there just so long that fan base goes up and down. I mean, that's mm-hmm. I, my hats off to that guy. I mean, that's, that's a level of dedication. That's really phenomenal. Yes. So here's a question for you regarding like the kill lock. So uh, of course, and what's perfect about this is the kill Ock's coming out March 9th, uh, issue one, uh, final order cutoff is actually this Monday, February 14th. So of course this episode is dropping on February 11th. So make sure you get out there. You know, if you're listening to this and you want to check out this series, go to your local comic shop, tell your comic shop to put this on. Cause it's final order cutoff this Monday. Nice. But, you know, have you heard of, you know, have you heard any, you know, early buzz about this? Because I know the first one had a total, like, I remember seeing a lot of early buzz on this and even like reviews were like, they people were giving it perfect reviews. You know, have you heard anything so far on this? You know, honestly, I, I, as far as I know, IDW hasn't circulated advanced copies to anybody. So there's no reviews out there yet. Um, like we're, st- we're literally still putting it together. I mean, it, the, mm-hmm. the series is done on my end, but we're sort of compiling all the pinups and stuff in the back. So I just saw the final version of issue one like a week ago so it's still pretty you know pretty close but i mean i think i mean hopefully people will like you know like the first one thankfully got like a a very nice response like i was really thankful for that because i had no idea if anyone would like it and now i'm worried on the second one because there's new characters that sort of introduce the story so and then you'll get into like the ones you knew from the first series but like yeah so i mean it's kind of one of those things where it's like now that you have a sequel like you have to make sure people like that. And I've never been in that position either. So <laughs> yeah, sequels are tough. Cause it's either it's, it's all or nothing. Sometimes it feels like with sequels, like either people love it or they just pan it. And the original is always like the best. It's yeah. It's, tough. it's especially there's comic book fans are some of the most hardest to please at times, you know? Yeah. And I mean, these days too, with, you know, you treat a character wrong or you write a character in a way that people <laughs> think is like a bad trope. And like, my God, like it's we get yeah. death threats. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, yeah, I mean, I hope I hope people like it is all I can say. But so now yeah. speaking of the the sequel, uh, I, I think on the front cover are those the two new characters? Those are the two new characters. Yeah. Can you can you talk about them? Or like, yeah, is it, or is it still like kind of hidden that you don't want to give too much away? And I guess no. maybe a little bit of what the sequel is. Yeah, no, no, I'm happy to do it. Um, so the sequel starts with 
uh, basically there's a new class of robot introduced called the Resolve class, which those two characters on the cover are members of that class where they're basically this kind of elite group that's sent in to clean up really horrific situations that have happened. So they're tasked with killing the artisan wraith by the mm -hmm. forgers. So the first issue is getting to learn about those two new characters. And you'll see like, you get a, a bit of their history of how long they've worked together. And what I'm hoping in the first issue is that you, you, you see that they're, they're very lethal, but also the amount of care they have for one another that I want, ideally I want the audience to worry about them because you know what they're going up against if you've read the first series. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the start of it. Like a buddy cop thing, right? Buddy like cop, yeah. Know. And then there's kind of like, <laughs> Right. There's kind of like the mentor that's a little bit beyond his prime. So the younger apprentice is like frustrated by him. There's that kind of, in, that kind of dynamic. Interesting. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Zach, you but got yeah. a question? Oh. Yeah. No, I'm, um, I was just looking at the picture. They look like awesome characters. Um, Thanks. Man, but it's hard to, <laughs> I have a ton of questions I want to ask, but I don't want to like give anything away for the first six issues um i'll do it man i like talking about it's fun to talk about the sequel now because they talk about the first one for like a year so so before before i spoil things i easily have no problem spoiling things justin <laughs> usually has to stop me because i just like to talk about it so much but where did you get the like what was the inspiration for this like what i mean obviously you know and not to say obviously but you you said like you did the the transformer stuff for so long so a move to you know creator owned and still kind of staying in like the robot game, so to speak, you know, it makes sense, but like the story, where'd you, where'd you get the inspiration for it? I think, I mean, I'm a huge science fiction fan my whole life. So I always knew I would try and make a science fiction thing at some point. And I felt like on Transformers, I had been on it long enough and kind of learned about writing. And I, and I like ghost wrote some Transformers stuff too, that IDW put out. But um, yeah, I think I just really wanted to do kind of like an R-rated Pixar movie about robots in space. Like, it's kind of like... <laughs> that definitely is a great description. Of Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. So, yeah, I was like, yeah, I just kind of like, I, I liked I liked that notion, again, with sci-fi of like, you can take real world metaphors and characters and you can take a serial killer and make it a robot serial killer and suddenly that becomes a much more entertaining kind of kind of thing or much, much less creepy thing. And, um, it's acceptable to love him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, there's something about robots exploding and dying that even if it's horrific, there's a little bit of like they just can, build themselves back together, like Transformers yeah. do all the time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, I feel like you can laugh at the the horrors of what happens to a robot a little bit different than a person. So yeah. So that was yeah. That was really the yeah. Do you see yourself with now? And I'm guessing like you kind of said you like trilogies, and I'm I'm expecting this will probably be a trilogy. Do you see yourself maybe doing like one shots, kind of like spin off in a way where it's world more world building of certain characters, like or the classes, maybe, yeah. yeah, or the classes? I thought about that. Like I, there's so I kind of mentioned like the Wraith Legion shows up in full force in this one, and you get to meet the new characters. That there's this trio, there's a triumvirate of characters that runs the Legion, and there's their names are uh, Legion Envoy, Legion Viscount, and then Legion Zenith, who's like the top Wraith in the entire mm -hmm. army, and so you get to see more of them and like what their exploits, what they've been doing out in the galaxy. And so I really thought about, it'd be cool to explore their origins too, because you get, you get more of the history of everything in the sequel. You get the kind of like, why does the Wraith even like, why does he even agree to be sentenced by the Killock? You know, if, if he's this other old class, mm -hmm. why would he even use modern methods? And you kind of get an answer to that in the, in the new one. Um, yeah. I would love to do more like spinoffs and, and that anthology idea of like the twilight zone, that I've, I've really been leaning toward doing that because I like the notion of you have no idea what's going to happen to these characters. Each new short story could be really fun or really dark. And yeah, I think that could be cool. 
Even like a prequel would be nice too. Have you thought about that? Like kind of like where they were prior to when they got sentenced to the kill lock? I thought about it. I mean, I, I have to have an idea of like what, what's interesting like to show you know because they each get a flashback in the in the yeah. first series it kind of shows especially like the kid i mean there was there was no prequel to the kid he basically has three memories and then right. he's like, right. like you know the wraith would be the interesting one i think because and even in the sequel he's like much older so you you get you get ideas of what he was doing like way before he met like the modern class of robot so, so who's is it who's your favorite character who do you like the most? Who do you enjoy writing them? I mean, uh, I feel like I know, but <laughs> who is your favorite character, though? I think it's a tie between the artisan and the wraith, okay? Because they're they're really fun and they're yeah they're sort of they kind of represent the two different sides that I I like about writing. Where I like where you have a character like the wraith who's completely serious and he's the you know there's no no making fun of the mythology. Then you have the artisan who's like absolutely no filter like any like literally anything you want to have him say you can have him say which which is really fun and i'm glad people like that character because i thought i would be like offend people i didn't like literally the first line of the kill lock if you don't get offended by that line then <laughs> that's good <laughs> but <laughs> so, uh so you've been doing you've done variant covers throughout everything you've done idw you've done something's killing the children last year like department of truth yeah um, is there anything that you're doing for the kill lock or any other series right now that's uh, in the works? Not so. I mean, I'm really just kind of focused on the sequel right now. And then there's mm -hmm. some other creator owned ideas I want to do. Like I really want to kind of pursue more of that, like, you know, stories with, with robots, but also with people. I want to try and actually see how that would, would go. And if I could make something like that. So yeah, I'm developing like three other kind of sci-fi or sci-fi and then not sci-fi ideas right now, but that's, that's sort of my focus is just do more creator on stuff. So do you like, um, I mean, primarily you've done, you know, the, the artist stuff, like, are you enjoying the writing, the actual writing? I mean, what, what are you preferring? Would you, if you had to, I guess, okay. I just asked like five questions in a row there. So <laughs> let me consolidate if IDW or whoever said, choose one or the other, which way would you go writer or artist? Oh man. I, I think probably still an artist, you know, okay. at my, at my core, because if you told me like draw a really cool RoboCop picture, I'd be like, Oh man, I would get right on it. If you told me to write a good RoboCop story, I'd be like, that would be harder. You know, like, <laughs> I, I would really need, I, that's one thing I'm trying to get better at is becoming a faster writer at identifying a good idea because I want to do more writing. And I was like, I don't want it to take four years on each project cause I'll be dead. Okay. So like, so, I mean, I, I have thought about like just trying to write a novel or something where there is no art and just see how that, how that would turn out but um yeah i mean probably artists though yeah okay That's so cool. during the pandemic you know with you know being put on lockdown and and the conventions completely gone you know was there during that time was there anything that you improved on or learned on you know learned upon being an artist or writer i mean probably i mean we'll see what people think of the sequel i hope the sequel lives up to the first one in people's minds. I mean, I, I spent most of the pandemic working on it. So like I wrote, you know, it, at the real dark quarantine days where there was like no leaving the house in Los Angeles, cause Los Angeles locked down really early. So yeah. man, I mean, I was on, a, I had like a balcony in my last place and I was on the balcony writing until like five in the morning because I was like, there's no real reason to go to bed. Cause I'm going to be in the same apartment. Like <laughs> it's not like I'm seeing friends tomorrow. It's so groundhog like, day. Right. It really was. And I mean, 
it was insane. I mean, the, the only thing I liked was that it was so much time to, to work on projects. I mean, how did, how did you guys handle it? Like the, the real start, like were you guys both locked down pretty hard at the beginning? So for me, I'm in yeah. Jersey. Uh, I, I actually was going to work. I worked in an, in an office building and pretty much the entire first and second floor of my company was gone. I literally was one of 10 people that normally is like 300 people in the building. Wow. So I actually was going to the office. Uh, my wife, she's a teacher, so she was working from home. So I didn't mind going to the office because I got to work and, you know, kind of just listen to the music without a headset on and there was nobody around me. So yeah, um, it's, it's definitely different. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm down in El Paso, Texas and like work-wise it, nothing didn't really change too much. I was, uh, I guess my job is falls in that. Um, oh God, what was the term when you think they, you had to work? Uh, oh, essential workers. Essential workers. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I was, I, uh, my profession is a, like an essential worker thing. So like work-wise nothing changed, but I guess the interesting thing was I had just recently started dating my wife now, but uh, at the time, probably for like five or six months. And then she moved in with me like right around COVID. I mean, she was like hanging out, you know, and then just kind of stayed. Yeah. It was like, Oh, let's quarantine together. And man, it fast forwarded that relationship to a marriage. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll a year later. So uh, yeah. <laughs> we did about four years of dating in like four months, maybe. Um, man. Yeah. But positive all positive results there so i don't want to if she listens to this episode i don't want to get in trouble yeah like, no, that's great congrats i'm glad it worked out yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um i mean texas was you know we've always been kind of one of the looser restriction states so you know there was times obviously here in el paso we're probably what you would consider a more bluer city than the rest of texas and uh the restrictions were a little stiff but got I me mean, probably nothing like you guys in Jersey and Cali. I mean, it was so crazy because it was like um, they locked us down twice really big. So which was nuts because like world reopened and it only reopened to like patio dining, you know, never really reopened indoors. And then they locked it down again. I was actually at dinner with friends and we got a text that this patio dining is closing down in like a day. And I was like, man, this poor like serving staff, like we just got a notice and they're working right now. They probably don't even know that their right. job is. And I mean, it's just, yeah, it was, it was really hard. So how does that affect you be like being an artist, you know, I know for artists and writers who are coordinating, you know, sometimes it's easier just to get in contact with people, but for like you, you're like being at home, like, and I don't, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head and, and I apologize, but you know, I know you've done a lot more covers over the past two years than interiors. If, yeah. You know, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, did you do any interiors that I'm can't think of since you know what I did, I did we i worked on a project with um there's a company called war chief that's like a new basically one of the top guys at blizzard created mm -hmm. a new company so we were we were working on a project that that took a big chunk of quarantine time too that we didn't it's not released publicly yet but that was interiors i did for something but um but yeah i mean the craziest thing for me was just losing all the comic cons because for a lot of us that's like big source of income so right. that was that was a little scary because i i didn't know what was going to happen but thankfully i mean I know, like, I'm sure you guys are well aware, you're collectors, but the collecting market just shot through the roof during quarantine. And <laughs> and that was true for commissions, too. Like, I couldn't believe that at a time, I, I thought everyone was going to be, like, really watching their money. Yeah. Commission, no way. <laughs> yeah, like, it was, and they continue to be that way. Like, yeah, so that, that was a real lifesaver that, that 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 happened. I think it was, you know, it's it was, it was such a change from, like, I mean, if you think about it, like, the pandemic and quarantine is just kind of, I don't, maybe came out of nowhere as the 
isn't the right thing, but it just happened. And it was like, boom, game on, you know? And so there was such a, you know, I wonder if collecting and everything, obviously we've seen these past, like since COVID nostalgia has just ridden through the roof, you know? And it's like, you wonder, is it on the, like the back of also COVID and everyone's remembering the good times. And so it's nostalgia and all that. Um, you know, but Justin and I, we both sell on eBay a lot. Like I made a killing selling, yeah. uh, like, and I'm not disparaging these titles, but like new 52 DC runs, like complete runs that I would never have been able to sell. I feel like in sure. the past, like mm. they were flying off my eBay page. Like people yeah. were just like, Hey, cool. F 45 issues of Superman. Sweet. I'm not doing anything else. I will buy those and read them all. So, you yeah. know, it worked out pretty well. Yeah, it was, I think it was, I think it was that, I think it was the nostalgia, you know, missing the prior world. And I think people had the the time to be like, Hey, what happened to that thing I liked when I was a kid? Like maybe I can track that down now. And then, <laughs> and then just reading, man, everyone had so much free time that it's like time to read and <clears throat> watch Tiger King and all the stuff that hit. It was perfect. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely been a lot more reading uh, in yeah. 2020 and, and you, like you said, I, and that's the one thing that I've, you know, I, I'm more Zach, no, you know, Zach and I are different on the, in the world of comics. He's more of, he likes the writing side and I like the artist side. So like when I see artists, you know, and especially you, I've been following you for many, many years and you're pumping out all these like new photos of like commissions. Like, I'm like, man, I'm like, where, where, where is he going? There's no conventions, but that's what it is. Like, yeah, these artists still need to make money. Uh, you know, and over the past six, eight months, uh, you know, there's, I don't know if you know that app, whatnot. Yeah. Oh, happen. that. Oh my God. I did. So I don't know if you're on there yet, but uh, you know, there's some some big name artists on there that have been selling, and I guess that's like that's kind of like the new thing because like without you don't really have to go to a convention. You can just sell your prints, commissions, you know, sign books, your you know, cover books, whatever it is. You know, I yeah. don't know if you've thought about jumping on there. Absolutely, I have. Yeah, I did. Um, I did one WhatsApp event. I was at a comic store, and the owner was like, "Do you go? You want to jump on with me?" And I couldn't believe how like ravenous the thing was for like a half hour. And so, even during quarantine, I had made these like sketchbooks to bring to conventions. Mm -hmm. I had these all printed up, and then we got locked down. So I just I threw up on Instagram like, "Hey, if anyone wants these, you know, here's the price." And I and they sold out in like one day. And I didn't <laughs> like I didn't even advertise. I just threw it up on like a post. So yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely doing more of that. I'm actually making a book now that's going to be, it's like, uh, it's going to be a pencil to color book. So each page will be one page of pencil transformers art and the next page will be the colored version. So it'll be sequentials and covers and that those books should be arriving any day now. And then I'll throw them up on online. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. So regarding so, conventions, oh, since it's this, uh, this year, yeah. what do you have scheduled? Do you have anything scheduled so far? So if anyone's listening, wants to get out there and see you. Yeah. I mean, it's such a crazy world because, you know, like, for example, like WonderCon is next month, really. And there's oh, no, wow. you know, we got an email that said you're confirmed to participate, but there's not really a lot of specifics yet. So I, I can't wait to do it. I hope it's good. But I mean, I can say the end of last year, I did C2E2, Emerald City in New York, and they were all fantastic. Like they were mm -hmm. like, the security was great, but also the amount of money and the energy in the room, like was, was really, really great. It was like a really great return. So I didn't notice any kind of dip in sales at all. Um, and there was less people on the floor. So it was kind of like the, the hardcore buyers are the ones that came. So, so yeah, this year I'm planning to do the, those same shows. Um, there's a Transformers convention in LA next month that I'm going to be doing. Um, and then, yeah, like we'll, we'll see. I mean, the schedule is still kind of being worked out on some of this stuff too, because certain shows, you know, like uh, Emerald City and C2E2 are always 
March and now they were December of last year. So mm-hmm. I've heard that they're both going to be August of this year and then reset to March in 2023. So be interesting. Hmm. So if you got, if you had your pick, I always like to know this question. Um, if you could write, let's just do art, I guess. If you could do art for any character, any publisher, what's like your dream, your dream one to work on? Hmm. Probably dream more title Star Wars. I would or say Star-, Star Wars. Yeah. Cause I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And like, I think now with the Mandalorian and everything, that world's been opened up in such a cool way that, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's fun to do a story that wouldn't be about the main cast, yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm. so you're, that pre- would be you're my- preaching to the choir right here. Yeah. That's what we always talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, it's a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've seen, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's funny and I, I can't believe this. And cause I have, like the, all the Dark Horse stuff, I pretty much own like all the series, like complete set. I didn't realize you did covers for Star Wars Legacy. I did. You know, I only did a couple because it was it was kind of bittersweet because I was like really thrilled to get to do it. But it was after Disney had bought Lucasfilm. So you, mm-hmm. you knew the license was going to leave to go to Marvel. So I was still thrilled to get the opportunity. But yeah, it was it was kind of. Yeah. Like, but, but I would love to do more in the future. Let's see that. <laughs> yeah. So when um when you're not currently writing the kill lock right now, like what does Livio Ramondelli do? Like what do you do for fun? I mean, oh for fun then unrelated to work? Unrelated um, to work. You're oh, not I'm, doing kill lock related stuff. I mean, I love going to movies and hitting bars with my friends. Like that's that's pretty much I gotta during quarantine, this place I moved into had it's kind of an unusual layout, but our ceilings here are like we got a projector that we can project movies like twenty-five feet wide. Nice. in our living room so it's like that's been such a nice thing to have during like you know like we're, we're going out and about now the world's kind of more reopened but that's such a that's been such a nice pleasant thing to have something like that at home because you know I, I love going to the movie theater and didn't get to do it much for the last like two yeah. years so are so, you yeah. a rams fan are you rooting for the rams this weekend you know what i'm not a huge football guy i yeah. i'm from the east coast so like my brother's diehard steelers so like okay. i'll enjoy watching the steelers game with him but um yeah, we'll see this weekend. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I, I yeah, I don't really have any particular love for the Rams, but but I'll be watching for sure yeah. and, and drinking. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Old Big Dick Burrow might be coming out there and getting his first Super Bowl for Cincinnati Bengals. So oh, that's yeah. kind of what I'm rooting for. Well, the funny thing, too, in L.A. is that I'm, I'm following the Super Bowl situation because they keep – they keep saying they're going to enforce the mask mandate during the game. And I'm no like, way. it's impossible. Like it's going to be a disaster. Like yeah. they've even said they, like one of their health officials came out and was like, now, you know, you have to take a sip of your beer and then the mask goes back on. I'm like, yeah, except when they tell the entire crowd to start cheering and then <laughs> people are going to, right. <laughs> so yeah. I so believe it when I see it. There's no way. There's no way. Yeah. So. So yeah. Zach and I are waiting to next week to talk about this to give everyone at least more time to talk about uh, Book of Boba Fett. And since we know you're a Star Wars fan, oh yeah, what was your review of Book of Boba Fett? Because we're going to talk about it next week, but I want to, I want to, I'd love to hear like from your point of sure. view, like the whole series. Are we spoilers? Okay. Yeah, yeah go ahead. I think like, we're past yeah. that. Yeah, I'm sure by now people have, you know, by the time this drops on Friday morning, or if people are listening Saturday Sunday, they've obviously watched it, and if. They don't know the internet and social media has ruined it for them. So, sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, um, I mean, for the most part, I really, there was something I enjoyed in every episode. Like I was, I saw like all the online criticism and stuff. And to me, I just was still blown away that we're even getting this series. Like a live action Boba Fett is still 
there was enough in there that I loved in every episode. You know, I loved kind of the world building of like the huts and mm -hmm. a little bit more of like what a rancor is. I thought Cad Bane looked fantastic when he showed oh, up. Man. Like I thought he looked so well done and so scary that I was like, I'm like, I watched, watched the Clone Wars cartoon. Like I thought, I thought he was fine, but live action Cad Bane, I thought was really great. Um, yeah, they nailed it. Yeah. And I mean, I was a little let down by the finale. I have to say, I just kind of felt like, especially with, you kind of want the end credits to really carry you into the next thing. And I thought that was a pretty weak end credit sequence. Cause like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. we, we just saw that dude get shot. It's not like you're bringing <laughs> back someone from like, you know, Mando <laughs> season one or something. Um, but then I thought, I mean, I, the, the episode with, you know, Luke and Grogu training was just wonderful. That was like a, that was like a warm hug for like right. 30 minutes. Just seeing that stuff. It felt um, like an apology for the last Jedi also. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it sort of gave you everything you kind of wanted, like the, right. the warmth of like seeing Luke train and teach and yeah. And, yeah, in his yeah. prime. That's that's the Luke that we never got to see. Yeah. From the time that we saw him in Return of the Jedi and the next time we see him is, you know, we'll call Washed it the last out. Jedi. Yeah. You know, yeah. like old, yeah. old man Luke. But yeah, know. old man Luke. <laughs> yeah. And then there was like, there was nerd stuff I didn't, I couldn't believe like, slave one fighting the sarlacc pit i was like i can't believe we're seeing this like <laughs> what did you what did you guys think about it? are you saving it for for next week uh i mean i we're kind of saving it for next week okay you know? but we don't mind yeah. generally did you did you like it generally or are you like I, i'm a huge star wars fan so it's it's definitely it's a blessing to to get more star wars content and you know you figure this is disney plus's second show yeah in this you know you figure it was the two seasons of mando and then this like it's just awesome to see all these characters and i'm a huge ahsoka tano fan so like when she appeared in in mando and then surprisingly she so shows up in this and the cad bane like you said like he's perfect the only thing missing was like the toothpick like that's the one yeah. thing that i missed <laughs> from like seeing him in like bad batch and and the clone Wars show was him just having that little toothpick in his mouth but yeah, it, it's awesome, and I, I'm excited yeah. for, like, Kenobi's coming out in May, so yeah. I'm sure we're going to get a trailer this Sunday with a ton of other trailers, so. You know, I, I enjoyed it overall. I really did. Um, I understand everyone's, like, complaints, the big complaint, obviously, that it was the Book of Boba Fett with cameos from Boba Fett. Um, yeah. <laughs> but to be honest, I mean, those episodes that were, like, what was it? What was it? five and six were so awesome that I couldn't, yeah. <laughs> it, it was hard to be too upset about it, you know? And like, yeah, I've just never been, just, and I talked about this. We usually do on these shows, like, um, halfway point. So like three or four episodes on this one, I think we did the first three episodes and we gave kind of our general starting opinion. And then we wait for the end. Um, and I still stand by what I said with the first three, which is I've never been a massive, like, um, Boba Fett fanboy, which they're out there, you know, like people, yeah. I mean, his, let's be honest, his, the love for that character resides on all of less than probably 10 minutes of film time and no, no verbiage at all. No, no lines. So, um, I never was like, yeah, he's a cool character, but I, I've never been like the guy who's obsessed with Boba. So yeah, it was cool. I like, I like everything else. Like I love the black croissant and stuff. Uh, the cat cat Bane looked like somehow, like you said, they, yeah, somehow they took the animation and made it real life, which is yeah. just nuts. Um, yeah, it was it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that that show too is like you know like the volume they're using behind them, that big screen. Like, yeah. I 
there are shots in that show that you just cannot tell where the volume begins. It is beautiful. Like it's yeah. incredible that we're getting the show. And I'm like, if that's what it looks like today, I can't even imagine years from now. Like, I mean, it, it really is like what George Lucas dreamed of with green screen, right? right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. you cannot tell what you're, what you're looking at is, is not real. I mean, well, yeah. there's a lot of times in the most, I, I, you can not say like, like, but the green scheme, the, the big volume thing, but like, you know, like a lot of it is on most Eisley, but, like when they did the Mando episode, when they when he has to drop off that woman, the first time you see like uh, Bogotan, when they go to that like water planet, yeah, like mm-hmm. that was just like, yeah. where did they get all this? Like, are they building all this around yeah. them? Like, are they in by an ocean? Like, that's what blew me away with that show. It is amazing. I mean, I yeah, I I was watching um Raised by Wolves, the new Ridley movie or Ridley show on HBO, and like, and I like that show a lot too. But but there's shots in it that I'm like. This feels like a green screen. There's just something, even with advanced, even with the technology today, I'm like, the volume just, I don't know, maybe it's because the volume is like a lit TV. It's like so bright. And then mm-hmm. I think I love the fact that the lights reflect on like Mando's armor. So it makes him just look part of the world even more. It's, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, they do a good job with the, uh, the even the ref- all the reflections. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people have shown, like, like they'll freeze it and they'll, you'll see it, what it looks like in front of him and it's just like that's incredible that they actually do that much detail to that just so it looks real yeah yeah absolutely the episode with luke i i was like so blown away by it i was like oh man this is so cool but i'll be honest the whole time i kept thinking like god how expensive was this episode you know what i mean like that's all i could think about and then in my head i'm like Oh no, how much money did they spend on Luke? Am I not going to be able to get to see other cool stuff? Like, yeah, what did Luke just cost me moving forward? You I know, know. I, I had that thought too because I was thinking with the finale, like even the Rancor and stuff, I enjoyed that, but I thought there was going to be some huge new, like there's talk of Han Solo showing up. You know, I thought mm-hmm. there was going to be some giant thing at the end, and I mm-hmm. didn't really get that. Yeah, yeah, well, Luke Luke ruined it for everyone, man. That's true. You I saw people so bad and you couldn't get anything else, you know. <laughs> I saw people complaining as always online that he doesn't look realistic enough. And I'm like, are you people insane? Uh, I mean, like it, even the leap from just what he looked like in the last Mandalorian season yeah. until now is incredible. Like, yeah. Have you seen the, uh, the, like the side-by-side, I guess maybe you call it like fan art of uh, Sebastian Stan as a young Luke. Yeah. yeah. It's like cast him. I mean, yeah. if you want to save mm-hmm. some money, cast him and then, cut out his audio and have Mark Hamill do the voice or something. I don't know, but it looks spot on. Like it really looks, he looked legit. So yeah. Yeah. Part of me is sad for Mark Hamill. Cause like, I mean, it, it's great. I'm sure he loves it, but you know, part of him is like, why didn't we get a series like this? You know, in the nineties, you know, oh, yeah. like he could have just played Luke in every episode. Like, you know, but well, we'll see. We'll see. I wonder, I wonder if he just prefers this. I mean, if you look at his career, and you honestly look at his career, like the bulk of it is just voice acting, you know, I yeah. mean, besides star Wars, that's really the only acting he ever did. And like, I guess when he played trickster in the flash, which was horrendous, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he probably is like, no, you know what? I, I prefer to just do the voice acting stuff and I don't have to show up for lines all the time. Probably. I mean, yeah. And he's a great voiceover actor. Yeah. Too. Oh, man. yeah. You know what awful, but great movie that I love that he's in hmm. Giver. Oh, man. I haven't watched that in years. Yeah. He's like a cop in oh. the in the movie. And he's got like this, he's got this horrible mustache. Oh. oh, but it's but I love it. Like, cause it's it's based off the anime, like such a great movie, like cheesy oh. B movie. But he's, man, we were we were shafted on superhero stuff for so long. I was oh, yeah. I was remember back on like 
Remember Mantis? Remember that Fox TV show like Mantis? Yes. Yes. Like, you'd watch it just because it had a guy in a superhero costume. Like you're right. like, we'll watch anything just to I'll, get anything. Like I'll do you one better. Remember the was it the cape? Do you remember that oh. stupid ass show where it was like a guy and he had I gotta look it up. Hold on. It's oh, I think like, it was uh, called w- The Cape Wonder and it was Brothers? on like NBC or something. It was horrendous. I would have watched probably. Yeah. <laughs> like I used to get excited with the Macy's parade. If you saw like a Marvel float that had like a guy dressed as the Hulk. I mean, yeah, just kids today. God. Yep. The Cape uh, huh. 2011 came out and on NBC it was canceled because it was so horrible. Oh my God. <laughs> you had like a Cape that I don't, dude, I don't know. I'm not even going to talk about it. It's embarrassing, but yes, oh, you're right. Sad. We're going to we're gonna have to look that up. Yeah, man. Uh, so, before, you know, typically on the uh, the podcast here, we're always talking about articles. So let's kind of move on to one of the articles. And I think this is a great article with having Livio on here. So this is actually a couple weeks old. It's over at the thehollywoodreporter.com. So IDW to lose the G.I. Joe Transformers license at the end of 22 exclusive. So G.I. Joe and Transformers is going to be leaving IDW after quite a long time, 14 years. And it looks like it's going to be heading over to uh, Skybound, good old Robert Kirkman's uh imprint over at uh at image so you know livio you being you know a, a longtime artist over at idw with transformers you know what is what do you think about this and you know what's the shakeup and how do you feel yeah i mean it's it's bittersweet i mean i think like it was going to happen in, inevitably i mean well, that's just what happens with licenses you know and idw had a i mean 14 years is, is a hell of a long run for a licensed comic i mean that's even right now to the end of this year, they have 11 months of Transformers stuff to print. That's more than most runs, the 11 continuous months of mm-hmm. an unbroken Batman story or whatever. Like, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's an amazing accomplishment that IW's had. I think they did a really great job with it. Like I feel bad for the fans. Cause I think the, the real nice thing IDW did was they allowed the continuity to continue on for, you know, all this time. So in 14 mm-hmm. years, there was only two different versions of the continuity. That's pretty incredible. So you could really follow your favorite characters for quite a while on that. Um, in terms of the fans and stuff, like, or in terms, sorry, in terms of like us that work on the books, we'll see what happens. I mean, like speaking for myself, I'm kind of focused on creator own stuff. I want to, I want to do more of that. But I mean, if the Transformers license follows the pattern it has in the past, people that worked on it before tend to work on it at the next company, you know, in some form or another, because, you know, we still work with Hasbro. Hasbro is obviously still involved with it. And then, I think anytime any license goes to a new, you know, company, they, they do need reliable people with experience on the brand, you know? So, so, I mean, we'll, we will see what happens. I can't speak for any of the other creators. Like, we'll, we'll just have to say. Can you, can you enlighten us a little bit? Like, was there a reason they lost the, the license? Like, did they, I mean, obviously you think about, is it money? Did it cost more and they just weren't willing to go up for the, to renew the license or like, because when I think about IDW, I mean, yeah. I think Justin and I talked about this. I think of IDW, it's Ninja Turtles, GI Joe, Transformers, and so if with they're losing two of those three, I'm starting to wonder what else are they putting out then? You know, like yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know that um, IDW has wanted to kind of become more of a creator-owned house, which that's good for a lot of people. I mean, one, it's just you know the books getting out there, but also everyone in the world wants their book to be adapted and that benefits the company. It just, it, mm-hmm. it makes all the sense in the world to devote your time, to new, new ideas. Um, I didn't hear anything specifically. Like my involvement with Hasbro was always that they were very happy with IDW. Like they, they really enjoyed the relationship. And I think, I think they were happy at how much depth 
of character IDW got from those characters. I mean, like the IDW Transformers is is different than G1. You know, they really mm-hmm. brought some new depth to it and more than meets the eye and all the kind of, you know, new characters, Windblade, all this other was brought in. Um, we'll see. I mean, it might have just been a, one of those cases of like, and that happens all the time. Like, let's let's shake things up. It's why right. there's always like a new number one of a title where no matter what, if you do a new number one, it always drives sales up. You know, even if sales <laughs> right. go back down oh, yeah. where they were, it's like that that trick just works every time. So it might be, I, mean, I shouldn't say trick, but that, you know, that. that oh, it's a trick. No, no, yeah, no. We, we quoted, we, we we quoted it literally like two yeah. weeks ago. It's the Joe Quesada <laughs> trick to sell more books. Yeah. I mean, it. well, it's so, it's so funny because it's such a natural, like, if I heard that there was a new, even a character I don't care about, but if I heard there was a new number one, it's a good jumping off point. I hear people that I know like it. You're just yeah. immediately like, yeah, I'll try it. Like, I'll try this character out. Yeah. 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 Well, look, the loss of Transformers, I'm just saying this right now. The loss of Transformers at IDW opens up for a kill lock ongoing. I'm just saying. I'm saying mm-hmm. there's not going to be some other robots. We're losing the Transformer robots. Maybe we get ongoing kill lock robots to fill the void. I mean, I would love to keep it going. Like whether it's an ongoing or rather, you know, more of these you know these arcs these big arcs yeah well, kind of like, like um, what kanto does you know like yeah. kanto has a great strategy how they do like the six issue or six like issue arcs and then they move on and then like like yours is you know like kill lock artisan wraith and then boom the next arc comes out and it's you know different like you said kind of like a trilogy thing i mean yeah i mean i think it i think it keeps it it, it keeps the excitement because i like the you know even if it was frustrating when you wait for like you know, a trilogy of movies, you have that time in between each movie. But I think that excitement and that kind of people, readers wondering what's going to happen, that helps the, the brand. You know, when, right. when something comes out every month, it's also great. But I think, you know, one thing that was nice about Killock was getting a lot of people asking me, like, are we going to get more of the universe? So you could mm-hmm. you could gauge that there was an audience out there waiting for more of it. And so to sure. finally be able to deliver that, yeah, like a sequel's coming and it's, you know, I've been working on it for the last year, didn't tell anybody like that. That was really cool. Yeah, I was really awesome. excited to see when you uh, when it was announced by by you and IDW, and then it, obviously it's in the solicitations, and you're like, yeah. oh my god, I can't wait for this. And yeah, you've had such a you know like such a following over how many years you've been an artist, and then when you had so all those people, I feel like when you have a following, they were going to follow you to Kill Lock. They were definitely going to check out this. They they love your art. I love your art. So I was a you know and. It's, I think that's always the toughest thing was, is when you're an artist and then you try to do, you dabble in that writing side. It, it's like a hit or miss. And I think you, you nailed it. Like you completely nailed it yeah. for your first one. Yeah. Thank and I'm you. excited Thank for you. the second one without a doubt. So for I think sure. this will be a, a perfect thing. Cause, and like Zach said, if you could get an ongoing or exactly like Canto does, because with IDW, you're, you're losing Transformers, you're losing GI Joe. They just ended the Star Wars stuff. That's going mm-hmm. back to Dark Wars. That's Horse true. Damn, forgot about that too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like what do they have? They have all these like 80s and 90s nostalgic stuff that still comes out. You got the Transformers and you have Kanto. Yeah. Um, Kill yeah. Lock is number three, right? You know, figure I mean, 20, it would be, 23. It's, you just rose the ranks right there. It would be wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I would love to keep doing more content. I think it, it, it's a testament to them too that they greenlit a sequel. You know, that was, that was nice that they had confidence in it to continue. So- yeah, I mean, I would love to keep that brand going or, you know, I just, it's it's such a blast to make it. It really has been one of the best things I've ever had happen to me, you know, like I, like, because I'm sure like, I don't know you guys do if you do any kind of creative writing or anything, but like, I was doing that my whole life as a kid and like, I was always wanting to do it and to kind of put it out there and have it received well is like, you're like, man, that's what you hope to get to do, you know? 
So do you have all six issues slabbed at a 9.8? You know what? What, I don't what did actually, you do special for your book? Yeah, what? You, know what? you I, don't? I, oh my God. You know what? I, I will say, my brother, it's framed over here, but my brother for my birthday got me, um, I had emailed him the original Killlock pitch just to get his thoughts. My brother's a really, he, he works in marketing for Warner Brothers. He's a really smart guy. And like, so he framed for my birthday, the original pitch I sent him, the original rough color mock-up, and then the printed issue one all framed together. Oh, so cool. that was really special because that was like, you know, because I pitched that in like five years before it came out. So, so yeah, I ha I should slab. I have quite a few issues of, of the series that I should slab. Now you're going to have to go out and like spend more money than you should have to as the creator to get your book slapped. I, like thought, yeah, man, I thought of that. I'm like, because especially some issues because of COVID, they sold out and they're kind of rare. So it's yeah. like, it, it, that is funny. That notion of like you having to buy your own stuff. Right. I think issue four, honestly, I was kind of searching around. Issue four is seems to be out of the first six. It's kind of like the the hardest one to get. Surprisingly, there's a ton of copies in like the UK and Canada. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it was cool to see like the breakdowns too of like on like royalty stuff where it's like how many were digital downloads too? Because I thought for sure during COVID, digital would be like through the roof. And it was still print. I mean, people still oh, yeah. wanted, you know, print stuff delivered. So it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You need to get those slapped. You got to have all six displayed. I know. I really, signature series. Yeah. You have to signature the series. Labels, sign them yourself. You have, have the yellow label. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do you I have actually, to like verify yourself to get your own signature series? I, that's like, a really good question. Yeah. Is there, does there need to be a bullshit, witness? Right? Yeah. I think, so I know like artists, like you could just like, if you, you could sign up through CGC to have like an artist uh, account. So you should be able to just do that and then sign like a ton of copies, send it off to CGC. And, and if you're local in, in California, bring a few to a convention. I'm sure someone would buy yeah. it. So the work's already done. Like you yeah. don't have to go through CGC, buy it right off of you. That's true. Man, I was just talking to a buddy about CGC. I guess like if you send in a book now, you're looking at like a year wait time to get it back. Talk to yeah. this guy. This guy's the one who sends like every couple months. Every yeah. week I send in like 20 books because I figure by like five, six months down the road, I'll just start, I'll, they'll be trickling in. I think it's at like 150 business days right now. You got lucky. Books. You had a yeah. you had a period of time where you had like a 30 day turnaround, right? Recently, I was um, like two two invoices got lucky where like yeah. they were trying something new. Like they say they randomly pick people's invoices, and I got them back literally in like a week. Like they were received on like a Monday and shipped out on like a Wednesday or Thursday. So, hmm. but it, it's it's crazy. Like, and Zach, is that an X Men number one you have slab behind you? It is, sir. I am. I sold like my whole collection, um, my whole collection besides like the 12 boxes I still have. Um, I saw I had like all the X-Men books primarily from like, I don't know, let's say early's on to current and a bunch of other stuff. And I said, screw it. I'm selling all yeah. this. I need an X-Men one. And I got lucky, man. I bought this at, let's say 2018, maybe 2019, something like that. And I think yeah. I bought it for 6.0 for 9,000. And now it's like, like a twenty-five to thirty thousand dollar book. Like, Damn, well done. Right that's before awesome. it, it got unattainable. So, well, that's done. my thing is X Men. I'm a I'm a massive X Men guy. Nice. That's that's a great piece, man. That's great. Yeah. yeah I'll never. I want to bury that with me and then hide my tomb. <laughs> yeah, where that's at. I just bought behind me last year, uh, Amazing Spider-Man three hundred. I see it. Last. Yeah. I was because that Venom was always like one of my favorite characters. So I was like, yeah, but, yeah. It, so that was, if you bought it last year, that was probably, did you beat the price hike for that? I bought it for, I think mine was 1500 bucks. So what's That's the, pretty good. what is it now? 
Well, nine eights were going for what, like five K, yeah. Justin, something like that. Yeah, they were high. They were yeah. definitely hitting that four or five K at a point. Man, with, like all the prices. They were pushing like book. Hulk one eighty one numbers for a while. It felt like wow. Um, yeah, it was it was amazing because I had so I had the entire McFarlane and Larson Spider Man run. I loved that that entire run, and I had actually moved and I got my three hundred stolen by movers, which is crazy. Like oh, that's specifically that one issue they found. So, wow. which is really so I I bought good taste, one. I guess. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it, like I got this one to emotionally repair the damage. But um, but yeah, when I went to the con, the con was it was the Torpedo Con in L A. Mm -hmm. So everything was slabbed everywhere i couldn't believe the prices on the mcfarland stuff like yeah. you know it makes me want to slab the entire run and like yeah you should um, you should yeah. you should you should slab them and then yeah. turn them over and buy your key books i mean that's kind of i think what justin and i do these days is really just slab up to to key buy up keys i'd love to have five six books and that's it yeah yeah like, like the holy grail yeah, yeah exactly yeah so. justin do you have like a, a slab book that's like your top uh my most expensive or just like my kind sure. of most expensive most expensive is probably my i have a first scarecrow from the golden age so world's finest uh, three nice seven oh and i bought that years and years ago like nice yeah it's pretty crazy and and like i've bought like i've really gotten back into like the star wars collecting over the years over the past couple of years so like i've gotten all like the first appearances of like i i just got the xm studios it's literally in front of me up here the xm studios darth revan statue oh. so like i have like his first appearance and thrones and all those guys in like nine eights because all they're all coming at some point i feel and like justin was scooping up the dark horse books probably like half a year before everyone else oh yeah and this asshole is just like oh check out my 90 <laughs> copies of dr afra and my 14 Man. copies of uh ahsoka tano <laughs> it's like oh. dude deactivate your account like i'm sick of looking at this <laughs> shit that's amazing yeah i thought for sure we'd get a thrawn cameo at the end of uh boba Ooh. fett like a name drop old. again well i thought okay. like i thought you might actually see him because if ahsoka is going after him because she said and yep. she is and her series is kind of the next because obi-wan's like you know, the continuity is before right. you know, Ahsoka is the next one in this current continuity. I'm like, yeah, I thought for sure they would do something like that, but no. And they cast him too. So oh, did they? Yeah. Who I heard that? rumblings. Was it officially cast? I don't think yeah, it's Lars. Official. Yeah. Lars Mickelson. Well, he was the voice actor for rebels. Oh, sorry. Maybe I'm looking at the wrong thing. I could have swore. Hold on. Reportedly Wait. cast. Yeah. It says reportedly Lars Mickelson. Dude. I love like with Bo-Katan when you can cast the voice actor to be the actual live actor. It's so awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, she was she was she was a complete like cameo surprise. Like I didn't know any like we all knew like they said that Ahsoka was coming like Rosario Dawson's cast as Ahsoka. Right. And nobody really cared. And then all of a sudden she shows up and her first appearance blew up. But yeah. like Bo-Katan, I didn't did not see that coming in that episode at oh, all. Yeah. And like the whole Mandalorian, like the Kree's clan and that. So I thought super I mean, the Cad Bane was yeah. like out of left field. Like You're just like, whoa, that was awesome. Yeah. It's just it's it's like so cool to see these characters delivered so well, you know, because it's like I think that just benefits for having the, the Clone Wars people who worked on the series work on the live action where yeah. they're like, I just you just know how to make what people want to see. It's it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dave yeah. Filoni is the goat right now. So oh, yeah. he, I was just talking about Buddy today about like that last episode he directed, and you're like, man, like that dude's transition from animation to live action is like seamless. Like like he directed some of the best episodes. And the other directors are like more familiar with live action. Man, he's just killing it. 
Well, and the other one who's surprising too is uh Bryce Dallas Howard. Like yeah. her directing the episodes she's touched with, like she did a couple Mandalorians, right? And they were all yeah. like I felt like key episodes. I agree. Yeah, yeah. her stuff's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I it's wonder what that so too. If that's all the directors who have like or all the directors that have a, a, a parent. I wonder if like it could be unrelated, or maybe you just grow up with such an awesome like like Sofia Coppola. You have like mm-hmm. this amazing mentor every day, you know, like right. Ridley Scott's kids, and mm-hmm. like you know, like I, I wonder about that. If like my dad was a director, would I like every day you're just getting you're learning, you know? Yeah, you're seeing but, things and the way he talks to them and yeah. yeah. So cool. Um, we always end our podcast with what are we currently reading? So before we get out of here, uh, let's go around the horn, uh, basically Livio. So, you know, uh, what are we currently reading is either if you're reading something right now, whether it's current, whether it's something that you've been reading for a long time, or maybe you just recently decided to pick something back up from the eighties or nineties. Um, Hmm. Zach, do you want to go first for your, uh, sure. Um, okay. So it's what we're currently reading, but we just started doing something fun as well. Which now I kind of feel bad because we have you know like a creator on here, and so maybe it's not maybe we shouldn't do this, but <laughs> screw it, we'll we'll still do it. We um we also say hot garbage of the week, like so oh. <laughs> the book that just was a massive letdown. So um my hot garbage book of the week, I believe was, and I think I've said this before, dude. I, I can't. I'm not a fan of this. Um, so what, Justin, you probably think I'm going to say Justice League Annual, and surprisingly, mm. it wasn't Justice League Annual. Um, okay. I actually kind of enjoyed it despite it being Brian Michael Bendis and the current Justice League, but Titans United Six. I just this Titans United little mini series one through seven, it doesn't read well. The characters I don't feel like feel like they're characters, they feel more, and I get it, I understand it feels more like the HBO Max characters than it does uh the uh the actual like printed comic characters, but it's just jarring to me and I, I just have not enjoyed it at all. And I'm a really big Titans fan. So that's my garbage pick of the week. Um, mm. And then the book I really liked the most this week. Um, you know, I I've really enjoyed these little mini series by. Um, oh God, Peter David, the maestro mini series. Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah. they just started the new one, uh, maestro world war M. Um, I love Peter David. I mean, the guy's gold. Um, his X Factor run is one of my favorite like X Men affiliated runs of all time. I mean, he crushed the Hulk back in the day, and these Maestro little uh, six issue—I think it's five or six issues—they've been doing have really been a lot of fun. And uh, issue one was really, really good. Um, if you haven't read them, I think this is the third little yeah. mini series. And uh, if you guys haven't read it at all, I, I highly suggest going back, picking up the first two minis. And then getting on the bandwagon here for Maestro World War M number one. Okay. Livio, what are you currently reading? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the Maestro. I just reread a Future Imperfect, where yeah. I love that's one of my favorite comics. Right. I I discovered that as like a teenager, and I was like, man, in terms of like twisted superhero post-apocalyptic, mm-hmm. that's such an awesome story. And you know, with George Perez going through what he's going through, I was right. rereading that and like, yeah, love that. Love that story. And Peter David just had actually, I mean. How long? I was always afraid. I'm always going to call him Larry David, but Peter David, uh, didn't he recently have some health issues too? Like not too long ago where, Oh, I don't know. Oh, I mean, they're all getting battled through it. Yeah. They're all getting sad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's, it sucks when you start seeing entire generations starting to get up there, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So that's the future imperfect. You're yeah. That was, that was the last comic I read. And I'm reading, um, I don't know if you guys, it's not a comic, but I'm reading, uh, 
book called Shooting Zodiac, and it's about filming the Fincher movie. So hmm. it's like I'm a big David Fincher fan. So it's like if you guys like that movie, it's it's written by Robert Graysmith, who Jake Gyllenhaal played in the movie. Hmm. So it's it's like it just basically goes into how much of a pain in the ass it is to like get a movie off the ground. It's the entire book is like they don't they're working on it for like a year and they don't even know if the movie's gonna happen. It's just yeah, but I'm I'm enjoying that for sure. Cool. All right. Interesting. Justin. Yeah. But, um, Zach's a, <clears throat> Zach's a nice novel reader as well. We're always yeah. talking about, uh, what was the, the latest thing? I just finished the high Republic rising storm and I'm oh, on cool. to the next one. Uh, Zach just finished the whole wheel of time series. So, uh, yeah. we're definitely into some of the novels out there. So for me, I don't have a hot garbage of this week, surprisingly, wow. um, okay. a couple honorable mentions, the latest issues of Joker, which is really good <laughs> by James Tinian, of course, uh, that closes out in about two issues. I really like the backup story with punchline. So they're really pushing her a little bit more. And I think something will come out with that. Uh, the Batgirl series is on issue three, which was really good um, as well. I'm totally liking the Becky Cloonan stuff with spoiler and uh, Cassandra as the Batgirls. But the my pick of the week, and it's it's so funny. Uh, they always do these parodies that come out from Keen Spot comics. I don't know if you guys have ever seen any of these. They've done like Stranger Things. Uh, they've done like Walking Dead uh, spinoffs and parodies. So this week it's called the Mango Lorian, and uh, <laughs> it's basically like Mando, and instead of being a bounty hunter, um, he's a delivery guy, and they they try to keep all the different characters from the Mandalorian. So uh what's his name carl weathers who plays reef what's his name uh mars grief mm-hmm. instead of that he got instead of the, the mandalorian going to visit him he's going to visit apollo creed so <laughs> they actually play like their characters like who they really are and then that little ugnon who's in season one it's literally like his name's nick nolte <laughs> this is like a little <laughs> version of him but the storyline pretty much is like he's a delivery guy and he has to deliver this package to one of two places either um to jeff bezos or disney for the streaming (laughs) for this like streaming so uh streaming wars it's basically called um it's a one shot it's funny uh of course inside the boxes uh, a kind of a parody on grogu but uh i I liked it it was it's definitely a nice little one shot and i sent it to one of my friends i was like if you can find this at your local comic shop pick it up if not you know just go online and buy it if you're a star wars fan or mando fan because there's a lot of like little um easter eggs in there as well like you see a lot of like warner brother characters and if you watch even like Spaceballs, like um mm-hmm. there's some characters in there from Spaceballs. i'm a huge mel brooks fan so i thoroughly enjoyed it that's great um, so that's my pick of the week for what am i currently reading nice that's cool uh so that's it for episode six season two uh again i really want to thank livio for coming on here yeah man thank uh, you it was a lot of fun walking, yeah it was great guys thank Sherlock. you uh, artisans wraith again final order cutoff is this monday the 14th it'll be out the first issue is coming out on march 9th if you can go out and try to pick up the first series whether you pick it up in the first six issues digitally um in normal reading or pick up the trade uh livio before we get out of here you know tell everybody where they could find you again and anything else in closing words yeah just uh instagram and twitter is just my full name um instagram is where i'm most active I'm always posting like Transformers art and artist Wraith Killlock stuff. And then if anyone wants a commission, you can just, you can DM me there or email me. My, my website has my email. So uh, yeah, thank you. And it was great to talk to you guys. For sure. Zach. So, well, I have one more question. If you, and probably should have asked this earlier, but I I think I was thinking about it and I forgot. So 
if you get an adaptation for Kill Lock, what do you? What's your dream adaptation, and what platform would you want to see it on? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, no, I should have asked that earlier. God, I'm an idiot. You know what? I think it would be a series. I think that it's probably too much to put into like a two-hour movie. But I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, I think probably would have to be animated. I mean, a live-action version would be great, but but live action would basically be you shooting. I mean, honestly with the volume these days, who knows, but like, mm. you know, all the characters are robots. So I think the name, there's no, there's no people in it. So right. I think you would just be dealing with CGI, either live action or, you know, the animation directly. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, certainly a streaming service like HBO mm. max or something, I would love to see that happen. Oh yeah. Cause you got to keep it adult. Right. So that'd be like the, probably the best yeah. or Amazon prime, man. I mean, look at That's the true. boys, yeah, the boys and in invincible. I was annoyed a little bit on the timing because like Netflix had that love death robot series that happened. I was and I was just like, going to say oh. that. I was like, man, that's like, and like Fincher worked on that too. So I was like, man, he would be like my dream if I could get anybody. But yeah. Cool. Oh man, we should have talked about that. I could talk I about those episodes like all night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was such a great series. And I was so happy when they came back with that season too. I still have to see. I, I only watched a little bit of it because it was so close to what I was working on. I'm like, I don't want to be influenced by this thing yes. at all. Like, you know, but yeah. All right, cool. So uh, <clears throat> for myself, uh, appreciate again, Livio, uh, I've loved following you over the past pl 10 plus years. Really appreciate you coming on here. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I'm super excited for uh, the latest installment of the Kill Lock. Um, that's it, everybody. We'll have a episode next week where we're going to be talking about all about Star Wars for the Book of Boba Fett. We also have another guest coming on here to talk <laughs> about it as well. Star Wars fanatic for uh, Boba Fett fans. Uh, that's it, everybody. We'll catch you again next week. Peace out. Later.